Okay, here we go. Episode three. Where do we go from here? <laughs> Where do we go from here? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's it's episode three. We're here. Oh, we're here, and we're gonna drink some beer, and we made it. It's May. May first. Happy May Day. Happy May Day. The intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops. Politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. That actually is the end of... That's it. We just talk culture and shit. All right, well, today I got one of my favorite go-tos for a price point, which is the uh, Victory Sour Monkey. Oh, classic. Yeah, and I would argue it's the best high-alcohol sour on the mass market. And I wanted to ask, can you name a better one? I can't really name any high-alcohol sours on the mass market besides <laughs> well, both that's, that's the thing. Is like it's, really, it's really unique in that it's probably the only one. Like, yeah, what else is there? I don't know. I, I know there are like specialty releases by some breweries that sometimes get out, but I can't think of any right now off the top of my head. There's got to be like a Brett version of a, a dogfish head or something that I'm just not thinking of, right? Yeah, well, all, most of the mass-released sours are, I mean, do you consider a Goza a sour? Yeah, Goza, of course, is a sour. There are Imperial Goses. Right, right. I just had. mean, like, does that con- is that considered to be a sour? And I, I would. Oh I would well, say, that's yes, a whole other discussion. Yeah, is a wild it ale is a sour? Sour. Yeah, I think any. I think it's based on the yeast strain. So, like, anything that uses a yeast that imparts a sour flavor. I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Is it if it's a sour beer, it's sour, right? Like, if yeah. it tastes sour, it's a sour. It's like you said with the other... I can't remember what you said this about, but you said it was like porn, that you'll know it when you see it. And Oh, the depression. Oh, yeah. Depression, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and now... Which I was thinking it, about... You want to go back into that discussion? No, no, it's just like... <laughs> I'm sure that... What's, in re-listening to our podcast, it's funny how we make a lot of uh, very bold statements that are not backed up in any fact or probably in a lot of cases knowledge. Like, there probably is a definition... <laughs> <laughs> for uh, a depression versus a recession like the fed probably has a pretty clear like it's you know a, a, yeah. a, a, a gdp re- retraction for you know four consecutive quarters by one percent or more right it's probably some mundane bullshit but like i sure. like i like mine better it's a gut feeling yeah i like it too and it's like uh, jerome powell i feel like powell that's feel? probably true of sours as well where there's probably some sort of quantifiable thing but I feel like if it has a wild yeast and it tastes sour, it's a sour. Well, exactly. Well, then, like, then it comes down to what's the definition of a wild yeast? Because like, yeah, is yeah. Brettomyces a wild yeast? Well, this is a Brett. This is a Brett triple specifically. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, well, that's a great beer. Yeah, I was also surprised to find this was a Pilsner malt. I mean, I guess I should have expected as much, but. Well, anyway. I think that typically with the like lighter. Belgian styles, you use mainly Pilsner as the base malt compared to like a pale ale or an IPA, which uses like a two row. I don't know what, I never know what that is. Like, what are the rows? But whatever, like a, like <laughs> a, like a darker. Learn about. A if we darker had more listeners, we like, get people writing to us about this stuff. Okay. I know. I'm, I'm always like, Tell me I'm wrong, and then no one does. So <laughs> until we get more listeners, I'm going to assume that I'm right about everything. But like, I use, I, I even use some Pilsner malt in when I'm doing IPAs too, just to keep it the body really light, you know. Especially yeah, if course. you don't want it to be too malt heavy or malt forward, then like a Pilsner malt is pretty kind of kind of seeds into the background and lets everything else kind of shine. Oh, I think it's that refreshing, crisp taste that they're going for. And I have to say, like, I I'm, I like the original Golden Monkey, but I think it's just okay as far as triples goes. But this, like, I really love this. And I think maybe more companies should do stuff like this. So, I agree. And I think the main, the main appeal for me for the Golden Monkey always was that it was, to your point, like, cheaper than it should have been. They get, like, a pint of Golden Monkey in some bars in Philly for, you know, like, back five years ago, six years ago, like, five bucks six bucks yeah. for a pint yeah and a, a six pack is like ten to twelve dollars it's not a lot yeah, now if you did want to try something that's like a more 
elegant version of this. There are like the Russian River wine barrel series and like I know one from North Carolina from Steel String Brewery that's really good. That's another like wine barrel aged uh, sour. And there's stuff like that out there for sure. There are things, there are obviously better uh, high alcohol sours on the market, but like we said, mass market, I think this one's the best. So, so what are you drinking? Okay, my beer. I am drinking a uh, another whale, as the craft beer world calls it. Um, I presume, anyhow. So, okay, this is brewery down in Santa Cruz called Humble Sea, which is like kind of like the hot new kid on the block. They've been around for I think for a couple of years now, but their their like specialty is you know surprise surprise hazy IPAs. Although they've they've like distinguished themselves by calling them foggy IPAs, which in the greater Bay, Bay Area is a nice little like imbues a bit of a sense of place, and it's just a way for them not to say hazy, sure. so that they don't come like they're like everybody else. So. Um, this is actually a collaboration. It's called a virtual collab with a brewery out in Queens that I've always wanted to try since they started, but I've never been able to get any any of my get my hands on any other beer called Finback. Have you ever heard of them? No, I don't think so. I feel like they're kind of like the lesser known version of like Other Half in in New York, like yeah, the kind of you know big big time East Coast, like the the Trillium and Treehouses of Boston. They're like maybe not quite there, but definitely hot on the the beerstagram little subworld of of irrelevance. The beerstagram circuit, we know all about it. That's right. We're on beerstagram. Check out our Instagram, Henrain Hops. I've been using all my uh, all my hashtags down below after the dot dot dots down there. Figuring it out. Getting some likes from a lot of randos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of randoms. That's how I get all my uh, all of our followers, Josh. <laughs> hey, well, people are um, listening. I hope you're out there, randos. Appreciate it. Yep. Link in the motherfucking bio. Um, so it's called Virtual Collab Finback Foggy Double IPA. So it's double dry hoft with Strata, Nelson, Eldorado, and Rewaka. I've never said that out loud before. What is that one? Rewaka. It's a new, probably totally butchering that. It's a new hop. Um, I, obviously, I can't distinguish what its flavor profile is in this beer uh, with all those. Because I fucking love Nelson, and I really like Eldorado, and I don't know if, if I could, like, differentiate what Strata is. But, like, <clears throat> it was a really good beer. Um, let me just take a sip real quick. It has this kind of, like, weird taste element that I don't know if I love, but I've had in a couple other beers. So, in, like, a, a super fresh IPA or double IPA, like, I think it might come from using what they call, like, cryo hops or cryo powder for like like powdered hop extract i think again don't quote me on any of this bullshit but like it's like a way i think to like impart a, like a really concentrated hop flavor easier or or like beyond what you can ever do by uh, dry hopping but it could just be that it's double it could just be the double dry hop that kind of did this so it's like when you're trying when you're sipping the beer there's like this um like it just goes right to the back of your throat Mm. And it's hoppy, but in the back of your throat. And almost like a little spicy, kind of. I don't know. I can't describe it, but I've had it with a couple other beers. And I think it's a feature, not a bug. Kind of just comes off as a little... I guess intense is the word. I don't know. It just comes off a little... Yeah, it, well, it's a little too bitter in the back of the throat. You know? That's what hops are. They have, they have some yeah. bitterness, and some of them are citrusy, yeah. some of them are piney, and some of them kick you like a spice. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I know, but it's just weird the way that it manifests in the mouth. But For sure. But now I'm going down a whole other world. But no, it's a good beer, and um, um, I got, I got, what I got? I got two more left. It was very expensive. So I, I, I thought you might be drinking your Pliny clone today, because I, I hear rumors that you finished it. Yeah, I kegged it a couple days ago, and I carbonated it up a couple days ago, and I really should have actually started with that. Maybe if there's a commercial break, I can run downstairs and uh, and pour myself an inaugural glass, and we'll. I'm sure we could test it on like that. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I'll be honest. I really didn't. I fucked up, and I let it. I let it ferment in the secondary way too long, just because I was really lazy, and mainly because I I really was not looking forward to cleaning my keg lines and my keg 
you're, you're describing the reason I don't brew as much as I used to is that I got so sick of cleaning all the time. Like, that's the one, that's like my main problem. And uh, hopefully I can overcome that in the next month. So what else are you doing in quarantine besides gardening over the last uh, two weeks since we last talked? Yeah, I've been trying to get out more, man. I feel like I'm like not losing any weight, that's for sure. <laughs> so I, I went for a little short run today. Just really? Just back into it. Just really how, short. How far slow. did you go? I mean, we don't have to include uh, this, but I, I want all these details. Yeah, I'm not going to... Uh, you got to cut this. I, I went a mile. But it was hard. Hey, miles fine. I know people can't run a mile at this age, so like miles a good thing. I used at twenty seven. I couldn't run a mile, and I was younger than I am now. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, and I, I felt fucking awesome afterwards. You're right. Even though I did it really slow, it was just about getting out there. And so it's funny actually is that one of the reasons I was like I got to do this, I got to do this today, is that a while ago I used to I, I have a lot of nightmares. I probably have talked about this in this podcast, but I used to. I used to have nightmares like every night and generally they were like apocalyptic in some form often zombie often like tsunami sometimes mm. a combination zombie a zombie tsunami oh, there's a movie that hasn't been made yet world war z um, oh this is yeah that's true i meant more like a normal tsunami but then also zombies not a tsunami of zombies oh i see but no, yeah. that's a great uh, sci-fi movie pitch we should definitely pitch that <laughs> but I get you're right though. Like the visual already was in the in the Max Brooks book uh, that was already made into a movie. Uh, anyhow, so um, in one like thing that I guess is pretty common when it comes to like dream an- analysis is that what always happened to me besides um, eating glass or like my teeth falling out, which is also mm. I guess pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's it's interesting actually. None of this has happened for so long for like closer to a year now anyhow um but the other thing that would happen to me often would be like my legs i couldn't like walk easily or i would like have to like hold on to the edges of things or ropes or whatever i couldn't i would like like taking a step was incredibly hard like because my muscles essentially so i could never really run i couldn't like walk easily i had to like 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 pull myself like oh like just it was just like brutal and I had one of those dreams last night, actually. And I woke up and I was like, and Sarah reminded me this morning. She was like, well, wasn't one of the things that worked with that, like actually just running? And I remembered back in the day, that is so true. Like just proving to yourself, to your subconscious that you can run, which is something that you cannot do in those dreams, seemed really powerful, which is mm. obviously like kind of sounds crazy, but it, it worked. Um, anyhow, so that was my motivation today for doing that but then i've been taking hazel out my daughter for uh bike rides and i have a little like front front mounted little baby seat on my bike and like she has a little helmet and it's as safe as can be i took her across the golden gate bridge so for the oh, first time amazing. and i've never biked across the, the bridge today either so we biked across got to get to the the marina headlands took a photo to prove that we were there and then turned around and came on home it was great that sounds really mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. What about you? What have you been doing? Well, I'm starting to try to like enforce a schedule on myself a bit more because, like I said last time, I feel like time has been like very relative uh, compared to like my wife who's got a nine to five. I feel like my time's been all over the place. So I'm starting to wake up every morning and do a meditation. This has mostly been in the last week, but I feel like it's a nice. good way to start the day out on a positive note, and it gives me something to do right away in the morning that I want to be up for. Um, which then like helps promote a schedule throughout the day and I'll try to eat lunch with my wife now and we spend time doing one thing together each night like a TV show or a board game or something and that I feel like that helps keep some sort of schedule when a lot of the other stuff is very malleable well especially as you were saying the uh, last episode around um, you already work from home quite a bit um, mm-hmm. and with with the with this shelter in place like you 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 were saying that you found your uh, like sleep pattern just kind of being a little bit wackadoo. So that seems like that's probably helpful. Yeah, exactly. I think the thing is like I I was trying in the first couple of weeks to base my schedule around my wife's schedule, which was working to a certain extent, but it was like kind of a lie. Like I didn't really need a nine to five, you know. And I I don't think that that's what I'm going for now. But at the same time, I'd like it to be like a little bit more consistent. 
because that's what I was doing before. And uh, so I, I tried. Oh, I see. So I'm trying to impose some sort of consistency on the days that there's like certain times that I have to be at things for, even if they're self-imposed. I like that. I yeah. I um. You know, it's funny. One one thing that I've found to be incredibly just therapeutic is maybe going a little too far, but uh, I look forward to Friday nights so much because um, every, every Friday at. 5.30 Camp Tawanga, which is the Jewish summer camp my uh, wife and her mother and many other uh, liberal Jews in the Bay Area attended in their childhood. Um, they have a live um, Shabbat like kind of sing-along. Oh, that's awesome. With the, the guy that's like the kind of the director of music there. And sure. So they kind of broadcast on Facebook on the on the Tawanga, we're gonna throw the link in the in the web page. Um, <laughs> you you can't see me, but I'm pointing down to the bottom of my screen. <laughs> Click the bottom of my screen for the link. Um, <laughs> I always wanted to do that. One day I'll record a YouTube video, just have links everywhere. Be pointing to them. It'd be so fun. Um, <laughs> and um, so every day at five, every Friday at five thirty, we'll get our little candles out. And I'm like, you know me, I'm like, I'm. The opposite of religious and we've talked about this before and like obviously like judaism is much more than a religion um big picture though like having this on friday and, and our daughter just like really is engaging with the music and every every week it seems like she's more aware of the music she's clapping along and like trying to dance in her high chair and just it's a really nice grounding routine for the week to signify and i'm like i kind of get shabbat yeah. Certainly in in, in, in in demarcation of time that I kind of desperately need, to your point, now. Um, so that's actually been really unexpectedly um, beneficial. So that's yeah. just... I mean, you're, yeah. you're bringing back memories for me because Shabbat was one of my favorite things at camp, like the sing-alongs. We would sing a lot of like secular songs, too. I don't know if... Oh, dude. Right, but... Dude, one of the songs always requested is fucking All Star by Smash Mouth. Oh, that's like well, one of that the seems Camp like Tawanga a modern songs. edition. That was that was not one of the ones. Like mine were all like '90s or like Beatles songs and stuff like that. But it was all oh, stuff yeah. that like um, was either popular at the time or popular, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And they there's a the one. There's one of their other most famous. Like they're all in the Camp Tawanga Camp Tawanga songbook. And there's a uh, Country Roads. Oh yeah, Take yeah. Me home. Camp to Wonka. It's all like the lyrics are like slightly modified. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. We used to do like no a Poison California. Ivy. You know that song? No. Poison Ivy. Anyway, very specific to camp in a way. And then we do like Yellow Submarine and Bungalow Bill and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of good. There's Beatles and there's also uh, a couple of Grateful Dead uh, classics. Oh, that that's are cool. Other stuff too. So anyhow. Uh in other uh, more uh, prescient news, a tree fell down on an adjacent apartment building this morning. In your complex? Yeah. Uh, Were they so like, okay? Yeah, I think everyone's okay. Like, I didn't see any ambulances. I didn't actually check in with anyone like I would normally because of quarantine. So I was just mm -hmm. kind of like observing the situation. If anyone needed help, looked like they had it under control. But it definitely busted some windows and stuff. And I, I was just thinking, like, if... Things weren't bad enough. Now there's a tree in your apartment. You know, just feel so bad for them, even if nobody's injured. Was this that? Yeah, that that's really shitty. This is way less extreme. But my in-laws have been without power for like two or three days at this point. Oh, that's that's pretty extreme right now. Because uh, it's like yeah. one of those things like really hard to deal with because of everything else. Because not like you can go someplace else. Like we can't go to a hotel, which is an option you had to have. I mean, it's certainly a privileged option, but it's an option nonetheless. That's a good point. Yeah, it was funny because their main concern was that they weren't going to be able to. Um, and Dinah and Noah, if you're listening, I'm not making fun of you. This is a, this is a sweet, <laughs> a sweet a uh, anecdote. Um, he already they, gave a pro they, Shabbat speech. Okay, come on. Yeah, come on, Isaac Zones. Um, <laughs> that's the guy that plays the music. Anyhow, uh, so uh, my my mother-in-law's main concern was that she wasn't going to be able to do her her daily Instagram live old time concert that I, I, I taught her how to do on, on Instagram live. And we were like, well, D Dinah, why, why do you need power for Instagram live? 
and she was like sitting in her car charging her phone at the time and i was like you really you're charging your phone as we speak uh and she hadn't had her coffee yet and i think that's where it's coming from but i think that her main concern was if you can use instagram live while not connected to wi-fi but on data so oh i see made a little more sense once i understood like what her concern was but god god bless her love you dinah um Love you too, my biological parents, Linda and Paul. I love my parents too, and John A's parents, just to put it out there. Since <laughs> just sending love to parents. Parents, just generally parents, we love you. Yeah, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you, parents. Please, stay inside. Speaking of uh, stay inside, uh, Georgia reopened today. <laughs> yeah, that's, I thought it was Monday. Well, they okay, so some non-essential businesses opened on Monday, like the tattoo parlors and bowling alleys and stuff. Um, but today, they, the secure stay-at-home order like was basically ended. Um, so there's wow. still businesses that aren't open, but like nobody has to be at home uh, legally. Well, we can get into, get into this in a second, but you sent me that tweet from that restaurant owner that really put it in stark terms what it's all actually about. Oh, yeah, let's let's get back to that later because well, I'm going to talk more about the Georgia reopening in our future session. I just wanted to say that that's something that's like going on very actively right now. And it's funny because the last episode where we talked about like the idea of like states liberating and stuff and now I feel like I'm in the trial group all of a sudden. So I was thinking how it's actually kind of fortuitous from a fucked up perspective that you're in Georgia and I'm in California, like the first and last states probably to open up, mm-hmm. respectively. Um, oh yeah, it's kind of funny. Speaking uh, of things we're gonna come back to later, I also finished Final Fantasy VII this week. Nice, and uh, I'll be talking more about that. But I, I can uh, give like a kind of wrap up recommendation uh, at the end of this, so uh, we'll get to that. And I finished Last of Us. Oh, you did? Yeah, a while ago. I actually did know that. Yeah, I knew outside of the the podcast but i'm trying to i'm trying to make it sound cool for the uh for the listener yeah but and and uh, have you started any new video games yeah uncharted not the first one so i'm currently playing three i beat two because i bought the pack before they gave it away for free and um we got to go to yemen to go to this uh castle and we got to get in quick mm, and so I remember that part sully remember sully he's like the Remember Sully? Sully's like one of the three main characters. He's great. He's kind of like Sean Connery in the third uh, Indiana Jones. It is exactly that. I mean, the whole game is like Indiana Jones, but like just like and it's like we were talking about. It's super self-aware. Like the dialogue is actually very, very uh, satisfying. Like there was this dumb throwaway line when we were we were in uh, we because I'm Drake. That's me. I am Drake. Um. A lot of in-jokes here for all you Uncharted 3 fans. Came out in 2011. Or Uncharted fans. I think Nathan Drake is kind of a applicable joke throughout the series. but Yeah, that's true. Um, but you, you're about to... You uncover this gate uh, to this cistern in, uh, in a town in uh, Yemen that you're going to go jump down looking for some ancient shit, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. um, you, like, Drake pushes away the metal guard and then uh, Sully says... Well, 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 and then Drake just says to the to the journalist, she's just like, it's like, get it, because it's a well, and then he jumps and jumps it, and it's so <laughs> stupid, but just it, I just it's fucking perfect. It's exactly the kind of humor they play. I I love that series. Um, we'll get, we'll talk more about Uncharted later because I got some actually want to mention that later. But so uh, this episode, what is it about? Uh, I titled this section, "What's the plan, man?" Because um, like it's right. about what what's going on with the virus. What are the best case scenarios now? Where do we go from here politically, economically, socially? You know, like simple questions. Well, I was going to ask you if this was an appropriate time for me to go get my beer. Oh yeah, please. Okay, so so we'll so we'll take a little break. Um, when we come back, Hunter will uh, tell us how his Pliny clone worked out, and um, I will have a non-alcoholic beverage that I will explain on the podcast for a different reason. Hey guys, it's Gary down at uh, Gary's Pet Storium and Emporium. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot of pets down here still. Uh, the dogs and cats may be gone, but there's all kinds of other animals for you to choose from, like a parrot or a python or this little guy here who's what's known as a desert hairy scorpion. Ah! Okay, well, um, we don't have that one anymore, but we do have plenty of other uh 
exotic pets. Um, be like Joe Exotic from Tiger King. Have a bunch of dangerous pets that you can't afford and then go to jail. Uh, never mind, that's a terrible example. We got uh, llamas and a couple of emus as well. So come on down to the shop and we'll find you a perfect pet um, pal. Hey, that was pretty good at the end there. I'm back, I'm recording. Um, I got it, dude. I got a damn near full pint glass. You got the Pliny? My, a pint of Pliny? Clone? Yeah, it's, it's definitely darker in color. I took a pic, I'll, I'll share. Oh, shit. It's darker in color, but it's pretty clear. Honestly. Okay, I'm gonna go in. Hold on, here we go. Can we get a drum roll? Definitely a step back in terms of homebrew <laughs> from last from last batch. What do you mean? So it doesn't taste like Pliny, number one? Um, actually, like a very homebrewified version of Pliny. Yeah. It gets, yeah, it's pretty hoppy on the back end of the, on the, of the sip. Like it stays in your like kind of gums, you know? It's weird. It doesn't smell anything like a taste. What does it smell like? It smells like banana esters and like super banana and super homebrewy. Well, you did say it was going to be extra alcoholic because it was sitting for longer. Yeah, but what's interesting is it's hoppy enough that you don't really taste the alcohol. But, but you might smell it. Mm. Yeah, maybe like as those other flavors. Yeah, you know what? It's drinkable. It's definitely drinkable. Um, hey, that's better than a lot of homebrew out there. And just think if I'd actually followed the instructions and uh, tagged it when I should have, it'd probably be very good. Considering that I like deviated so extremely and it still tastes like decent, I consider that a win. So on a, on a scale of one to ten, one ten being exactly Pliny and one being like a a dark malt flat beer, uh, what do you think you ended up with? Well, it's hard because last time I had Pliny was like a month ago in our first episode of this series, so it's been a little while. But I'd probably say. A healthy six, at least. All right. So above average. It's a it's a very decent homebrew. How about that? That sounds good to me. Yeah, All right. Well, I'm just... going to switch to a non-alcoholic beverage just because the first one I had was a 9.5%. And I felt like if I had nice. another one of those, I'd, I would be incoherent for this second half. So so this is my like beer alternative right now. It's like a lot of people yeah, you know, is like... It? drinking during the day and uh this is a sparkling hop tea you talked about this yeah yeah i mean it's it's from whole foods so i don't know if it's like you can get it and it's it's made in boulder colorado though so i imagine it's like pretty nationally um distributed and it is a black tea sparkling with uh simcoe and citra hops is it the one that says the hoppy one it's the really hoppy one that's what it says, right? Yeah. And then there's one there's so, one apparently above this that has a whoa, but I don't know. I've never seen that one. So I actually oh man, I'm not I don't want to say this on May Day. So I'm just caveating this with the fact that I don't do this often. I did not do it today and I'm as much as I come from my high horse, I'm very much part of the problem. So I anyhow, I put an order in on Amazon Prime now for whole food delivery. Mm. So I put, I remember you telling me about this and I, it would happen to like, cause I order a lot of sparkling water delivered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fuck me. I'm such an asshole. Uh, I get a lot of sparking water delivered to my house by low wage workers that are provided probably adequate sick pay or, um, medical equipment, PPEs, masks, hand sanitizer, etc. But you know what? Anything to keep Jeff Bezos in the black. Anyhow, so... <laughs> and keep your daughter safe. We can't forget about your daughter. <laughs> I got a daughter at home. You know, it's got to be safe. You know, it's a daughter. Um, thank you. That's right, Josh. And uh, I ordered that on there. And you know how it like, defaults to... I told We were talking about this. It defaults to... They'll substitute something in. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't like click the little box... And I didn't click any boxes. Because it's, it's a very specific thing. And I just kind of... It's, I don't know. I just I don't order a lot of stuff that much delivery like that. So uh, instead of that, they were like out of stock, but they brought me a like a citrus mint hard kombucha <laughs> instead. 
So this one has alcohol in it. It's basically like the other side of the spectrum. Literally. (laughs) It's just like, what if I was like a recovering alcoholic? Because this, this, to be clear, has no alcohol, no sugar. That's what I most like about it. Is that like it? It tastes like a non-alcoholic beer, but kind of better because it's just the hops. It's not like a false malt. Um, Yeah, which sounds gross. Yeah, and and yet like it has no calories whatsoever. So it's like. You get all that beer stuff, but you get a little caffeine and a little bit of hops, you know? I mean, I've looked at those, like, super low ABV beers, and they're still 120 calories. Yeah, for sure. You still get all the carbs. Just don't get those alcohol sugars. Okay, so I... I, Now, I'm just going to be saying this again, and I can't overstate this. We're not doctors, scientists, or experts on anything. Uh, Maybe beer. We are armchair experts. Okay, yeah, not even that. We are armchair experts at best, but I do think we're better armchair experts than some of the other ones out there, because, you know, I'm totally objective about that. Uh, And uh, with all that in mind, let's get into it. So uh, what do you think is next, Hunter? Well, it's funny because, like I was saying, it's May 1st. What's next is that we're, I'm in a, I'm in a month long extension, well, the extension, I'm in shelter in place through the 31st, and... I'm, that's the second extension, and I'm sure that I'm that they're going to extend it again. What I see happening, I mean, and like honestly, dude, like you know, like we talked about, the beaches down south are getting all pissed off. There's this county that I've never heard of that's in the northeast corner of California. Maybe, maybe not the corner, but I think it's the corner, right nestled up there with Oregon. They are basically defying Governor Newsom's uh, shelter-in-place state orders. Yeah. And they're like allowing barbershops and tattoo parlors and whatnot to. They've never. I don't think they've closed. And now they're. they're now they're uh, threatening to just open up, and it's like a county of nine thousand people. There's like some like reductionist quote about how you know there's X number of cows per person, ten or I don't know, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. A lot of cows per per person, and notably that they have had no uh, recorded cases. They do have some tests that are outstanding. So they're just going ahead and like being like, no, we're going to open. But they have no beaches, so I think we're okay. Uh, on the state level, states are going to continue to open up, at least like in you know southern states and midwestern states and places where there are libertarian and republican governors are going to continue to yeah. open up, yeah. at least legally. But I would hope, and, and certainly in my community, I feel like people are not going out as much as they want them to be, you know? Like... like there's Maybe a, not want them to be, but yeah, I hear you. Well, I just mean like I saw some axe throwing place in Atlanta that said they had like two people come in all weekend uh, despite being open last weekend. Normally they'd have like a hundred a night at least. So now they're open and they've got all the staff they have to pay, but they can't make any money. So like even though it's open early, it doesn't really mean anything except for the government not paying for these businesses to have people unemployed. And that's what you were talking about earlier. To bring yes. it back to that. The underlying issue, though, right, is that by opening it up, that means businesses, specifically restaurants, can be open, which means that they no longer qualify for a ton of financial relief because mm-hmm. they're not required to close as they were previously. It, it allows them to discontinue business interruption insurance um, because they're allowed to operate, like you said. So the landlord can demand money since you're allowed to fully operate. Furloughed staff collecting unemployment insurance have to come back to work or have to let them go, etc. Like there's all sort of ramifications where the state government no longer has to support these businesses in this time of crisis. That's what I think at the core, that's what I think this policy is really about, despite the fact that it's playing to these rural communities that are looking to liberate the state. But I also like wonder where this is planning to go. Like, who's going to go to these businesses that are open? Like, maybe some people go to the hair salons and nail salons right away who are, like, desperate for that kind of stuff. But, like, who's going to go to a bowling alley right now? Some people, I feel like. I don't know. It's a good question. And then if there's, like, yeah. an outbreak, what happens to those businesses? Like, once, like, there's a big outbreak at the bowling alley, like, no one's going to go back there. And the hospital surges get worse. And, like, who's going to want to be at a doctor in a state with constant hospital surges? It's just like a, a to quote a, a previous callback, uh, it's just a lose, lose, lose scenario. And Michael Scott would hate that. It's a triple lose. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're on the same page on that. And that's what's so hard is that, like, these states are getting enormous pressure 
to open up. And eventually they're just going to bend to that pressure because if you bring an assault rifle into the state capitol enough times, you scare people. I'm being facetious, but like... But what I, what I meant about the like month, two month, or three month thing was that like I feel like... Yeah. Within the next few months, we should have a good timetable for things like a vaccine or drug or if herd immunity is even a possibility as a last resort. Like, we just don't know enough about the virus right now to really have a firm idea of what that long-term plan is. Well, you know... Go ahead. Sorry. No, and I just think it's worth buying us some time and, like, waiting and gambling on the option that limits the most deaths. Yeah. I I, I think that basically... It's interesting, like... Now Elon Musk is on the, quote, liberate, unquote, train, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, although, you know, here's what's interesting where I find, I found myself being a little sympathetic to this argument, which I'm, I'm happy to be, to be pushed back upon. But it's like the idea that a blanket approach, which I would, I necessarily think is actually what's happening, but assuming that there's like this universal approach that everyone is required to adhere to like what i have to adhere to right which is like staying inside except for quote essential activities exercise walking a pet or going to get food or going to work if you have an essential job which i I don't so i work from home so like the idea which is what elon musk was kind of championing which is that like it can't be this like top-down approach but I'm kind of like Trump's already kind of like left it up to the states completely right yeah so it's not actually a one-size-fits-all at all but in a lot of rural states the rates are way lower and like social distancing is probably saving less lives like you know compared to new york or san francisco or you know wherever it might be less important in my opinion it's still important enough to do it but they have a point in the sense that it's less important would you agree? Right. Well, no, I agree. And that is a big argument with Georgia right now. Cause like even in the uh, projected version of Georgia playing out without social distancing and without uh, stay at home orders for the next few months, we're still probably not going to see as many deaths as New York sees just because of how bad it is already there. And because of what happens with public transportation and stuff, like the risk is inherently lower here, despite how bad it's going to be compared to how bad it could have been. Right. That's, I guess, my point. It's like when you don't have the density or, you know, better for worse, like obviously in every other instance, like a great public transportation system where you can cram a bunch of people in per square foot is ideal and preferred except now. Well, I just I just meant like I, I understand that argument, but I also feel like that assumes that the states are living in some sort of vacuum where like no one's going to visit your state or like no one's going to come through. Like the problem is that like, yeah, those people good will point. go outside of their communities and people and the same thing with the economy like the economy of a state is dependent on the federal economy it's not like the states exist independently of one another in that level either. I mean I'm sure there's a percentage right like a percentage yeah. of your economy that is solely internally driven but it's I'll, a minority I'll say, I'll say it's definitely a complicated issue and I think in the previous issue, episode we also addressed the rights issue there there's there's a lot of complications here and this is an issue that needs to be dealt with with nuance it should not be dealt with like what you're talking about with the beaches thing it should be dealt with by community not just some sort of large ban on everything because that's not helping anyone in terms of being able to like practically approach this event I agree with well that. you know the only you want to know the only way that that works it's like all this whole thing where it has to be like peer pressure which doesn't work in this case which is the whole problem right so it's like Newport Beach is like just like breaking the rules and being a bad boy like Newport Beach always is right Orange County ever the bad boy we both have seen that movie of course love the uh, soundtrack and, well okay okay well not I'm, the show I, the movie again, not OC, OC show Orange let's County. let's bring another OC reference into this podcast so I let, aim to do it every episode there are some bad boys in that show too okay so oh the main character is the baddest of boys yeah, but he's exactly. not from OC, actually. He's from, like, you know... The Midwest. No, no, he's from some, like, shittier era, area of San Los Angeles. San Bernardino. Yeah, it's actually Insane. not that bad, but... It, anyway, go ahead. In a perfect world, right, of course, like, if, you know, Newport Beach has all these people on their beaches and they're breaking the rules, then all the good boy communities up north and some that are south could be like, you're going to ruin it for all of us, right? And... We're going to, like, beat you up, Newport Beach, if you don't get your shit together, because then they're going to cancel all the beaches. 
right? That doesn't really yeah. work from like a municipality perspective. If it's like a group of friends, or actually this um, kind of like uh, peer pressure model is most positively applied to microfinance, actually, right? You have like the like trust circle or whatever. They have a different term for it, right? But you basically loan a uh, group of like five people, usually women, because women are most underfinanced in the third world generally speaking and that's what kind of where microfinance came from right so like yeah. but you basically everyone holds everyone else accountable and that's why there's no collateral right because generally folks in this situation don't have collateral so it's this like community pressure model which is a pretty effective solution to the issue well it works much better on a micro level too yeah. like to a certain extent socialism as much as i yes like I think that there needs to be some sort of combination of capitalism and social and pure socialism works a lot better in like small communities like kibbutzes and communes than it does in like large scale governance for the most part if you're talking about pure socialism yeah I agree I think that makes yeah I think you're right uh can we switch gears for a minute and talk about herd immunity just for a second I was like I was actually gonna ask you to do that because I don't really like I I have a hunch that it's bullshit, but I don't really know what it actually refers to specifically. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been reading a lot about this for the last couple months, and obviously, can you I'm just give us like a one hundred and one? Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I, I kind of have like a little rant I want to go on about herd immunity because I've seen people throwing it around a lot recently, and I don't really think they understand what that entails or like what's happening now. T- to be fair, I didn't really know about herd immunity that much before this crisis. Um, I knew that Zika was defeated in Brazil through herd immunity, but that's pretty much it. Like I could tell you that like I knew that like it was a thing that happened with certain viruses where you get to a certain level of per capita infection where enough people are immune that it stops moving across the populace, you know? Because you run into immune people every time it starts passing its way. So it only affects a few people. Yes, I'm following. So look, I, obviously I'm not a doctor or scientist, but I do know for sure that herd immunity is far from a guarantee right now with this disease. Um, and that's partially because we don't know how long immunity maintains, even if you can definitely I don't think have. it does. Well, so like with other coronaviruses, for example, we know that immunity lasts less than a year. And with some of them, you can get multiple infections within the year. Now, we need more information to even decide if herd immunity is an option. But the way it would work is you need about 60% of the population uh, to get immunity for at least a year. Obviously, that might not be possible for the reasons we just described, but even if it was possible, you're talking about like 60% of the U.S. population. I mean, 60% of the world population, but theoretically, it would be 60% of the population in the countries that are most affected, right? Yes. So 60% of the U.S. population at a 1% death rate is like 2 million Americans dead alone, you know, and that's just from the virus. That doesn't include complications from hospital surges, economic environmental problems that that happen as a result of that as a counterpoint to myself the death rate in certain communities might be as low as 0.2 percent simultaneously depending on the r naught value we might need 80 to 90 percent of the population to be infected to achieve herd immunity there's still a lot we don't know about this situation and i think that's the point i was trying to make i i just think it's a bad option right now and we don't even know if it's possible so even if it is possible it seems like the worst possible option on the table but right. what does it mean? Just like catch it on purpose? There's no catch it on purpose. Basically, it just means you let society go about its business until the point that 60% of the people gain immunity for that period of time so that the virus just dissipates on its own. You don't need a vaccine. You don't need anything else. But the problem is it takes time, number one, and you need mass infection to reach that point. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like... You know, there is a lot of uncertainty about the vaccine. There is a lot of uncertainty about whether we're going to find a drug. But we're just as uncertain about the herd immunity. So I just want to, like, put it out there for anyone who's, like, talking about herd immunity. Like, at least stop wait it. until we... Well, we'll st- yeah, stop it. Because that should be our last resort. That should not be something we should jump into without knowing if it's even a possibility. And, and this is the real thing I wanted to talk about in this, like, for what's next, Right. And I, what this is, is some, next, Josh? Some Hit good news, right? Oh, oh no, I don't believe you. Besides remdesivir, which was approved by the FDA today to treat coronavirus cases in extreme cases, um, yeah. there's a vaccine in development by the Jenner Institute that might be ready by September, 
which would be incredibly fast considering that we were looking at 2021 at best with most of the other ones. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, and this one has a distinct advantage because it was developed to fight another coronavirus, MERS. Um, so they're actually way ahead in the usual process of approval. Uh, and it looks really good in that small case study they did with monkeys. Now, it's hard to know how that'll play out with humans. It's hard to know if it'll have any efficacy in the long run. But it how is to monkeys, say... Though? No, the monkeys are good. Like, the monkeys are work, cured. It worked out. It's fine. But it's hard to know if that'll translate into humans. It's hard to know if that'll play... That was like 28 monkeys, you know? Who knows how it'll play out in the larger population. Where are they now? You know, I don't know. I didn't look into that. We should... We'll okay. do a follow-up next episode. Where are they now? The monkeys. Yeah, I just hope they're okay. I hope so, too. I mean, all monkeys that are in scientific trials like this should be properly restored to the environment. But, um... Now... It's hard to know how all of this will play out. It's hard to know if we'll have a vaccine by September. That might be overly optimistic. But I do want to bet on innovation more so than like herd immunity. And I don't want to feel like that's the only answer because there are no good solutions right now. But the better solutions are ones that rely on innovation and don't sacrifice people to this economic machine. And so like that's what I want to advocate for today is like the idea of believing in humanity and believing in the creativity of humanity that we will find a way out of this. And at least give us some time to do that. Yeah. And you know how we buy time is by sheltering in place. Yeah, for sure. That's I mean that's all we can do right now. All right, uh final final part of this uh like in the future section about like what's the plan yeah uh, this is kind of a lighter note but it's just something i've th- seen around recently like do you think these theories about handshakes and friendly hugs disappearing are realistic yeah yeah i do i think hugs among amongst friends won't go away but i think handshake as the norm will probably go away actually see i don't i i wonder if that's like all over exaggerated but mainly because i just don't think of that as being like an effect of this because once the vaccine's through i don't know why that would matter um but i understand like Fuck. the the idea of point. it i just like i well, i so guess i think the, it's directly related to how long the vaccine is going to take for sure if it's 18 months then i think that they will go away if it's you know september then they'll, they're definitely going to stay around yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. I think I think if it's over a year, it gets installed in our consciousness that it's not worth the risk. Whereas, like, but I here's think... the issue: if we really want to dive into this conversation, we're not doing the low touch um, recommendations in the meantime. We're doing the no touch. So, like, it's it. What I'm saying is, like, for instance, elbow bump, right? Yeah, is a low touch, and then you got like like hands together bowing is a no touch. But, like, we're not doing anything, so it's not like it's more likely necessarily for us to go back to a low touch, like elbows. Or even fist bumps. You know? Yeah. I mean, the whole concept of of a federal government giving recommendations on how to connect one's hands to another person's hands in a professional setting to, like, convey collegiality is just it's just absurd right like can we just take a step back and just say that's so stupid like no, it's all so levels? stupid no i i don't i don't disagree with that i just <laughs> i'm just like not sure that people are actually gonna like take this in in the way that it would prevent them like i like unlike the great depression or like the war which i think i think you're right i think it's about time whereas those things took were around for long enough that it formed habits that people then played here's out. here's the after. thing right is that like this um shelter in place uh, time that we're all collectively experiencing will not be the only time right yeah well i mean yes for sure to a certain extent i'm hoping it'll be most of the time but yeah yeah sure. hey everybody quarantined out there in radio world we know you're probably bored and looking for something to do this weekend well have we got news for you down at the county rec center we're doing a dada mime puppet show every wednesday night around 9 p.m whenever the AA people decide to let us have the room. Now, we know you might be worried about social distancing, but you won't find any crowds at our performances. In fact, the biggest audience we've ever had for one of our shows was all of four people. None of our shows involve actors touching, they very rarely speak, and we always try to limit movement. This weekend, we will be featuring the works of Chase Alivar, who will be reenacting the evolution of the house fern. Ooh, that sounds lovely. So come on down to the County Community Rec Center. Wednesdays at 9 p.m. 
room 503. I've been trying to be a better uh, co-parent, you know. It's my constant struggle and, and challenge and uh, desire. And um, I've been taking Hazel generally every other morning in the morning, which a lot of you might say, why weren't you doing that earlier? And I would retort and say, Sarah sw- like kept telling me she loved early mornings and I like to I like to sleep in. I'm not a morning person as much. She was a big morning person, but I realized that maybe she just wasn't asking for what she needed. And Sarah, I love you. If you get this far in the episode, and presumably Juicebox correct me if I'm wrong, but like we're probably three quarters through the episode at this point. Like God sure. love you. I hopefully you, hopefully like, we're way more than that. I mean we'll see. Okay, I'll I'll give you three back massages if you hear this while actually listening to it. Ooh, oh, that's some real inspiration for Sarah. I'm gonna just tell her there's a good reason for her to listen, not say anything else. No. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. But I won't tell her which episode. I'll just say good listen to all three of the quarantine episodes. There's something in there. Because you'll have to get to the last like twenty minutes of this one. All right, so uh, so we're in the positive news section. You got a positive news story today? Oh, man. You know what? I had a couple good items, but you go first. You want me? I got, like, I have several right now, so. Um... Well, kick it off. All right, how about we switch I'll, off? I'll provide let's, some colorful Let's do one commentary. for one until until we run out, okay? No, I don't have any right now. So. <laughs> All right. I'll, well, I'll just got... be a sounding board. All right, well, we'll start with this one. This one's like a low-level positive. It's over 1 million people have recovered globally from uh, coronavirus, which is Oh, I didn't cool. know you could like do it like that, just naming a stat. Yeah, that's, that's mine too now. Yeah, super positive. Yeah, there you go. You say it now. <laughs> so approximately 3 million people globally have been affected by COVID-19, including roughly 1 million plus in America, but... Positive, one million globally have recovered. What's next? All right, I'm going to go full eco-fascist for a second and share that story about Love how it. greenhouse gas emissions are supposed to be 8% lower this year. No, if that's eco-fascist, then call me an eco-fascist. She's, she, she's just an Easter. <laughs> I don't think I'd be the first person to say that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, um, my, my, my reputation precedes me. Yeah, but eight percent doesn't seem like a lot, but that's the largest decrease a, in the history of annual records ever. Well, it makes sense when it was always like going up. So the fact that it's going on, going down rather by like even like single digits period is incredible. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And then finally, on our positive news, we got an update on a story from last time. Captain Tom Moore, that guy who raised all the money for NHS. Yeah. Well, he received over one hundred forty thousand cards and a military flyover for his hundredth birthday. And I know that our listeners had a lot to do with that. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate that. So, like, the the 10 to 20 of you that I told to reach out to Tom and help arrange that flyover, above and beyond, guys. You really did it. Above and beyond. We know it wasn't cheap. Wait, they donated it? Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, I imagine Thanks, each of guys. you had to write, like, 14,000 cards, and that's super impressive. <laughs> I mean, I did only a 1,000 myself. How about you? I, I barely did 100. I mean, and I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I definitely had, like, not gone out in the circuit quite as much this time. You know, I got a, got a, I got a, I got a daughter, you know? Of course. Got a daughter. Got a daughter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Last thing, uh, recommendations. So uh, what have you been watching, playing, doing? We, we talked a little bit about Uncharted earlier. Do you want to say anything else about Uncharted? Here's how the game works, okay? It's like, big, big story. You got to find this thing that might be the end thing but probably leads to another thing to another thing to another thing and that's the end thing and then along the way there's like some bad guys that are looking for the same thing and they're going to chase you and they have a big old like private army and then like the higher bad guys along the way and you're going to travel a lot and they're going to shoot at you and forever so that's like the large arc right like yeah i've seen raiders of the lost arc i know how that works right right it's all the same but then the gameplay is like this it's like solve a puzzle in a room in like in a crypt probably get a clue uh like either get shot at or like some spiders come out at you and then like fight 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 get out like shoot like move cutscene shoot move cut yeah to me that's the tomb raider part of the game because that's like what tomb raider was like and is still like tomb raider now takes things from uncharted anyway uh what other uh like tv shows movies anything like that so uh ozark 
Did I talk about that last time? Because we're yes, still you on did. that shit. You, you mentioned... Well, you, well, last time you said, like, everything happens in every episode. But we didn't get a review of whether you were into it or not. It was just kind of like you were overwhelmed by it. So we just watched season two, episode two, and fucking everything happened again in that one episode. <laughs> so much stuff. They packed so much. And, like, Jason Bateman's fucking directing it. So, you know what? Oh, that's interesting. Good director. Cool. Yeah, he directs, like... Half of the episodes, if, if if not more. That's very cool. I didn't know he directed at all. Yeah, it's a good it's a good show. Recommend it. Um, I've been watching a lot of like Instagram shows, Instagram Live, Instagram TV. Yeah, who are you watching on there? Um, I don't I don't watch anything on Instagram aside from like random. Well, you know, my in laws are are live. You know, every day. That's true. One p.m. Pacific time, at. Noah or N Stroe, so check him out. N S T R O E. He'll appreciate that shout out. Um, but for instance, one thing I'm really excited for is uh, like some Texas whiskey company Instagram TV is uh, you know Robert Ellis. He's like a cool you know alt uh, alt folk country guy. From Texas, and he's doing he's curating a uh, happy hour, like a variety hour on their Instagram, for instance, featuring Johnny Fritz. Oh, cool! Yeah, this is a very hunter geared activity, and um, also from this thing that's like a, another whiskey company happy hour that they do every I think week or so. The host is none other than Ed Helms. Oh, yeah, who also plays banjo. Yes, yeah, so you got Ed Helms, you got Johnny Fritz, you got Robert Ellis. You've got uh, Corey Chisel, and it's 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 not live. I thought it was live because it aired at six p.m. Uh, my time today, and it's actually just a video because they posted it at that time. But it's pretty cool. That's very cool from what I've seen. Yeah, well, that's a whole world that I know very little about. So I appreciate you sharing recommendations from it. Uh, I wanted to touch on a recommendation you you had last time that I cut for time. Um, but now I'm ready to talk about it, so let's talk about it. All right. Uh, Dave, did you have you been watching Dave? I have, yeah. Dude, that show's amazing. It's 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 better than it should be. It's way better than I thought it was going to be. First of all, there's way less rapping than I thought there was going to be too. Well, not that yeah, that's a bad no, it's, thing. It's actually one of the best new shows on television. I'm gonna yeah, say it. Yeah, I I I relate it to things like Atlanta and Masters of None, and I I don't mean that because like. Atlanta yep. more directly because of the there's a story about a rap career in there that like kind of plays out in similar but it has that sense where it's like really funny but it gets into some deep dramatic places and it's unexpected for a show from him so yeah I would say to anyone who hasn't seen that show like even if you don't like Lil Dicky that much like it's just good I, I can't qualify that I don't I actually good. think you could probably not like Lil Dicky and love that show yeah, like almost. Yeah. It's ironic that he almost probably suffers, if anything, from an association with Lil Dicky, the show. I, like, it's certainly from, did for me, and I love, I love his music. I just like, I was like, well, I'm not that interested in like a Flight of the Concords esque series with Lil Dicky because that's kind of what I assumed it was going to be, but it's not that at all. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point. Is that it's not even related to that like little dicky does make appearances here and there but usually only to uh move the storyline forward it's like not even really the point of the show it's just yeah anyhow i agree it's all right point. i'm gonna do you have anything else because i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna share three more recommendations i just want to go through real fast no i would no no i'm what i want to talk about are your recommendations i want to critique them all right, well, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this first one because the first thing is going to be my recommendation from last time, and I sort of spoiled it earlier, but I finished the Final Fantasy VII remake, right? And, I didn't play uh, it, so I defer to you. <laughs> it was good? I loved it. It was great. It's not in the top three games I played on the PS4. Uh, those are God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Uncharted 4. But it's nice, definitely... Nice and it, nice in the upper half of games I've played in the last like decade um, which is enough for me and I'd, I'd like to share some stuff about the game if that's okay uh, there will be spoilers I assume that doesn't matter so much to you not to me I'm never going to play the game no offense okay 
no, that's fine. And actually, I would recommend that. And I'll talk about that at the end. But um, so to everyone interested in playing, spoiler alert, uh, skip the next two and a half minutes. I'll point it in later. But skip this portion. <clears throat> so um, I really enjoyed Final Fantasy VII, uh, except for some of the stuff they threw in at the end. I'm not going to be able to go over all the stuff they changed in this bit. And it would be meaningless to you, Hunter, since you don't know what the original was like. Um, but maybe we'll do a future video games app where we can like talk about that and Uncharted and some other stuff with somebody who's really into video games. Yeah. However, know that they changed a lot of the story. This is not an HD remaster with a new battle system as most Wait, people thought. Hold up. I thought it was the exact same, exact same game remastered and redone to the T. Not at all. It's a whole new game, and very directly so, as throughout the game you have to fight representatives of fate who are trying to keep your characters on the exact story of the original. Uh, so it Is gets that very like meta. Self-referential character, or like self-referential like villain, like villain. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and at the end of the game, you actually have to defeat the god of fate entirely to unleash some sort of alternative reality, Final Fantasy VII where characters who died in the previous game are alive and and there's a different like logic to it. It's really interesting. Um, now for me, as somebody who played the original like three times, I was super pumped about this because we get a brand new story with some the same characters and locations that I love. But like obviously it hasn't sat that well with everyone who played the game, right? Yeah, but why not? Well, because like some people really wanted that exact remake in in updated graphics and and updated music and and I get that. Like there is there is part of me. Well, that, why like, couldn't they do both? You know. Well, and that's what I want to say is like, um, I kept saying to my friends while I was playing the game in the early stages that I was really enjoying it, but I kind of wish we just had a new Final Fantasy with these graphics and this battle system, since I thought it was like a pretty big improvement from fifteen. Um, yeah. And as it turns out, I kind of got both. Like, I got the Final Fantasy VII remake and a new game all in one. And yeah, this could destroy Squaresoft and taint the legacy of Final Fantasy. Um, but I also think the positives are really big. Like, if this works out, it could be one of the best game series ever. Like, they have so much potential here. Yeah. On top of that, <clears throat> and this is post-spoilers, so uh, welcome back, listeners, who've skipped that section. Um, the <laughs> game... The game will make absolutely no sense if you didn't play the original and or read the lore around it. Um, so to you, Hunter, and anyone like you who has not played a Final Fantasy game and uh, specifically didn't play Final Fantasy VII, I'd say don't play it unless you intend to play the original. I'm not going to. So yeah, no, don't worry about me. I'm yeah, it's just, it's just I, read, I read a great Reddit response from somebody who had not played the original and was just approaching this as a new game, and they still loved it, but like none of the ending made any sense to them because there's just like scenes and characters that are introduced without context assuming that you knew what happened with them in the future um have you seen the new run the jewels music video no i have not i need okay to. yeah check it out because i i like this song it's the ooh la la one did you hear the song yeah oh yeah i know the song yeah. very well so the song's Great pretty song. good it's it's not my favorite run the jewels song i think it like once you recognize the hook as this sentiment for for its sentimental value, because it's from that old Gangstar song with "Nice and Smooth," like that added something t for me. But then, like seeing this video really solidified that, because it's like a full embodiment of throwback hip hop appeal. Final thing, uh, the Parks and Recreation special, um, which I watched today. Now you haven't watched it yet. You're gonna love it, no question. We talked a lot about Parks on our last episode. Um, and I don't think we knew at the time that this was going to happen because this happened like really fast. Feels like no, no. I only I only heard about this well after our last podcast. Yeah, I only heard about it like maybe last week. Yeah. Well, holy crap! It was amazing. I'm so so. You should be because like it not only called back so many of the jokes from the original show, it really encapsulated why it was such an important sitcom to begin with, and it made me like really think about like why that show was so good because. Like, if The Good Place was Michael Shore and Friends attempting to address philosophy in a sitcom, Parks was their yeah. attempt to address government and civil culture, you know? And they kind of, they kind of did with with Plume. Is What's that what he said? With Plume. Like, with, like, success and... Oh, like, oh. Finesse. Yes, right? yes, for sure. Yeah. Plume. 
The word that Hunter's searching for is a plum. No, maybe that's not right, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but this episode in particular, it summarizes like everything a real government effort uh, behind coronavirus would be saying right now. And it's just so wonderful to like see that from fictional characters who like are supposed to represent the best of us. Like in a way um, that brings hope in terms of the response or negativity in terms of like, we're fucked. No, hope. I think it, it what it brings is like, it just brings awareness to a lot of issues that are surrounding the coronavirus thing. And I don't want to get into that because that is spoilers. And I think everyone should just watch it because it is awesome and it's a huge uplift right now and it's for a good cause like there's there's nothing bad that i can say about this episode okay awesome i'm so excited yeah and uh and i can't think of a better thing to end this episode on and maybe this podcast and that that's the last thing i'll say but i just want to end it on that recommendation to both you and the people of the world i appreciate that thank you well it's been an honor yeah and now we might come back there's talk of an episode four and even five with special guests talking about other quarantine topics but i think we should like leave that up to the listeners right now and uh this might be asking too much but if you're listening and to the 10 to 20 of you that are like please like and subscribe to our podcast if you enjoyed these three episodes and tell other people to listen yeah we'd really appreciate it yeah, and we 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 probably do it anyway. But I promise that if we get at least twenty people to listen, uh, new people on top of the twenty that we already have, if we get forty listeners to this episode, we will do another one for sure. Maybe maybe even ten. Sorry, but maybe no, no, that's fine. I appreciate ten. Okay, so if we get to thirty listeners, thirty individual listeners on this episode, we will do another one. Promise. Across platform. Yeah. We're going to put it on TikTok. Sure. I mean, if we, we'll <laughs> put a little bit of it on TikTok. Maybe the commercials. Yep. Yep. Because yep. we're needy, but we're not greedy. We just want to stay in business. And after all, this might not be good, but it's definitely the best podcast we've done so far. Hell yeah. That's our, <laughs> that's our promise to you. And we continue to promise that. And with that, I think we're out skis. Stay safe, stay healthy, don't panic. This is temporary. We love you all. Good night and God bless. Have a beer. Or two. Until next time. Henry Hobbs. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) That was good, Josh. Henry, Henry, Henry and Hops in quarantine. Henry, Henry, Henry and Hops. It's everything you think you might have seen. It's not a podcast. It's more of a show. Really a lifestyle, I would say. Buy a better beer. Don't try to be a better human being.